You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. We need to tell you what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? And the biggest news of the day in true Halford and Bruff fashion happened about, I don't know, 45 minutes after we got off air yesterday. The Canucks announced that they had re-signed Andre Kuzmenko to a two-year extension worth $11 million, giving him a $5.5 million average annual cap hit. It does not go without notice that Kuzmenko's new AAV is the exact same as the captain, Bo Horvat's current AAV. Uh, Kuzmenko's deal, which kicks in next season, does include some trade protection, a 12-team no-trade clause. That is according to Sportsnet Elliot Friedman. So there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, I want to start with the third most happy person when this extension was signed. The first was Andre Kuzmenko. The second was his childhood friend, Terpal. And his third was the A-Dog, Andy Cole. Number one Kuzmenko fan, Andy Cole. Celebrate good times, come on. So when you heard the news, first and foremost... How excited were you? Very. I was walking down the street and I went, "Wow!" Were you surprised? Audibly. Uh, n- uh, no, I I ex- expected they were going to sign him. It seemed like that's what they were going to do, and I was, you know, I mean, I I was obviously watching the discourse, reading the discourse on Twitter. I I totally understand why people might not be happy with it in terms of the rebuild scenario. It maybe doesn't really make sense for the Canucks based on their timeline and their their competitive window, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I get the reasons why the deal may not be the greatest move for the Canucks, but you know me. I love Kuzmanko, so as I, as I tweeted yesterday, I, I'm still happy because he's probably my favorite player on the team. Laddie? I was a little surprised. I didn't think the Canucks would uh, would exactly get it done this quickly, and I didn't think it was on the horizon this quickly, but uh, I think it's positive for the, the now. I don't, I don't know about the uh, the timeline of, of him being uh, at his peak and the Canucks being at their peak. I don't know if it lines up the way you want it to in time wise yeah in yeah. terms of the time but uh, he's he's a great player and and that's a pretty uh, a deal that you can handle i think most teams can handle five and a half million for two years i think it's uh i think it's fine i think it's a an exciting player that gets the fans going so nothing wrong with that yeah i i'm of two minds and i think a lot of people were with the deal that at 5.5 million on a deal that doesn't have a ton of term to get a guy that's basically a point-of-game player and a 30-goal scorer, it's great value. No one can complain about that. The, I saw a tweet going around, which I think maybe summed it up the best, that it's a great deal for the wrong team. And I do think, and I have plenty of time for those that are willing to push back against the idea that it's a great deal with the it's a great deal but. And I think that's the narrative that a lot of naysayers have taken on this. I have time for the fact that when you have a really good player who actually wants to be a part of what you're trying to build, and he is a productive member, not just of society, but of the National Hockey League, you keep him around. Kuzmenko, 21 goals and 23 assists through 47 games. 43 in 47 in his first campaign has shown little to no growing pains whatsoever. There was that brief moment where he was a healthy scratch, but has returned and continues to find the back of the net. Oftentimes, by being camped out in front of it, which I think is a big thing. I do think that his style of game, if he can continue to produce from five feet and out or right on top of the blue paint, will endear him to Rick Tockett, so that's there. But really, again, this is a this is a two-conversation argument. 
is you can talk about Kuzmenko and what it means for him and how this is great and it's deserving and it's a fair deal for both sides, maybe even more fair for Vancouver. But the other part of the conversation is, does it line up with anything that the Canucks are going to do over the next two years? Are they going to be competitive when you've got Kuzmenko on this pretty decent ticket? And I'm not so sure. I want to dive into some audio here. Um, I actually want to play some of the audio from yesterday's Canucks talk when the agent Dan Milstein came on with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Because Milstein, without revealing too much about what went on in negotiations as it pertained to his clients. So what did they sell your client on other than here's $11 million to play a sport? What was the vision? What was the idea? Now, Milstein didn't exactly lay it out in full, but he kind of hinted at it. So we'll play that audio. And then on the other side, we'll come back and we'll talk about how this deal came to fruition and why they opted to go shorter term, maybe some riches in the future. But first, uh, very loosely here from Dan Milstein, the plan as presented by Patrick Alvin and company to his client, Andre Kuzmenko. In all our honesty, um, Andre could have signed virtually with any club. We've had uh, over the last uh, seven years or so, we've spoken to virtually all the clubs. We took the list down to about six or seven teams, and he made final visits. He really enjoyed um, the city. He saw, the obviously, the arena in the summer when it was all uh, torn apart. Uh, he uh, had a great visit uh, with uh, Patrick Colvin, with Emily, uh, with Jim, uh, obviously with a former coach, uh, and uh, he just felt very welcomed and at home. And uh, I know you guys are trash talking the Vancouver Canucks and management and all that, but I mean, look, the the senior management, including now some of the guys on the coaching staff, have won two Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh Penguins uh, in uh, you know only what five seven years ago. So you guys should be excited. There is good stuff uh, that uh, will be happening. And uh, you got to be patient. I mean, those championship teams, you got to go through a lot of uh, troubles in order to win the Stanley Cup. So in part, Kuzmenko and Milstein, to a certain degree, were obviously sold on the notion that this is a management group. It's done it before. There's proof in the pudding from their time in Pittsburgh. They have a plan. They know how to execute. And this is part of the execution, the positive execution, not the negative execution. Um. This is going to be a team that will still, I assume, undergo that major surgery that Jim Rutherford was talking about not a long time ago when he had the press conference that started out explaining Tanner Pearson's medical condition and then veered off into the state of a franchise. The understanding is that Kuzmenko was, and as far as I understand it, Kuzmenko was never going to be a part of this major surgery. That when they were going to systematically cut out pieces of the active roster, Kuzmenko was never going to piece, be a piece that was chopped out and thrown on the surgery room floor. He's a guy that's a part of the next two-year window and a guy that I think that they are enamored with to the point where they'll start exploring something beyond this. What does it look like beyond this? Well, for Kuzmenko, a lot more money and a lot more term. Milstein talked about that as well, saying that his client is okay I don't want to say betting on yourself because he's making $11 million, but not going after the most money and the most term. And it was an interesting answer that Milstein gave yesterday as to why they didn't chase all the riches and all the term right now. Uh, here's what it sounded like on Canucks Talk yesterday. Guys, it really depends. Look, look, I've done long-term deals for Mikhail Sergachev. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an eight-year deal. Uh, Nikita Kucherov, that was an eight-year deal. Andrei Vasilevsky was an eight-year deal. 
For Ilya Mikheyev, on the other hand, the strategy was to do a four-year deal uh, instead of five-year deal. The reason behind that deal was that uh, uh, it would expire at the age of 31 and he'll have an opportunity to sign yet another multi-year deal uh, at the time. And uh, uh, look, my, here's my strategy. It's got to make the contracts got to make sense for both sides. This isn't a one-way street. Should never be a one-way one street because look, I see some of the crazy contracts and the guys are becoming the victims of their own deals. Mm. So, um, and then also with proper financial planning put in place, they'll never spend the, the, some of those, you know, 50 to a hundred million dollar contracts, guys would never spend those money ever in their lifetime. And if you play your cards right, if you play your cards right, you'll never, the, the, the funds would go, would be passed down to a hundred generations after you go. And so, um, it, the deal is going to make sense for both sides. Look, I don't want to be the, known as that agent who, who basically wins every single time. If it's about, you know, of course, signing a big contract, uh, pounding your chest and saying, look, look at me, like, look at the deal I got from my client and things don't go well. And then your client becomes become becomes a scapegoat for every single issue that the franchise has. I don't want that for my guys because mm. it's difficult. We obviously try to win and try to be extremely reasonable and go for the biggest uh, contract possible. But with that said, we always understand that there is a salary cap. There are other guys on the, on the team. Look, when Nikita Kucherov won his uh, first Stanley Cup, people were saying, well, he's only earning $9.5 million. He could have been $11 million. You know, from Edmonton, one of the first phone calls or, uh, that Nikita made was to me. And it was a thank you for the contract because, because doing $9.5 million deal, I have left some money on a table for Tampa Bay to, to sign a third line. Uh, the, 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 basically, some of those guys were the difference makers mm. between the prior years and struggles that Tampa Bay had. And so I would rather get that call than get a call from a general manager saying, hey, we're going to buy out the client. So that's a very interesting answer, lengthy and interesting, that Milstein gave because the underlying sentiment is um, this isn't about knocking the negotiations and the contract out of the park. It's maybe about finding the fit within the team. I think a lot of people will say, Getting a player who, again, he's only halfway through his first NHL campaign, but has shown extremely well. This is a guy that would probably garner more than five and a half million on the open market, or at the very least, you'd lower the AAV by signing him to a much longer term deal than two years. Now, the pushback from people will be it's a great deal and all, and it might be for the wrong team. And if it is for the wrong team, why was there not a trade explored? Why would this not be pushed further? towards the beginning of March, keep the contract in a drawer, and try and see if you could either negotiate a really good deal for Kuzmenko now via trade, or see if something happens over the next month. A team loses a top six forward, team loses a goal scorer, and they've got Stanley Cup or playoff aspirations. All of a sudden, the idea of adding a guy like Kuzmenko becomes more enticing, and maybe the price gets driven up. Jason Bukala, who writes for Sportsnet.ca, uh, wrote this out in great detail in a piece that's up at sportsnet.ca right now, kind of having that internal debate about the re-sign or the trade. And he surmised that he figured that the Canucks would have been able to get a first-round pick out of Kuzmenko going closer and closer towards the deadline. He said, if you look at it, if you're a team, and this is just a real quick logic on it, just paraphrasing, but if you're a team that is in the playoff chase, you're going to be picking in the low to high 20s at this upcoming draft. So you go to your early draft board, you look at the player or players 
that would be available, try and find an equal value representation, then look at that player and say, do they have more scoring upside than Kinsvenko? Would they be a better projected player at the NHL level in the future than Kuzmenko is now? The answer is no. You make the deal, boom. So that's some that's the logic behind the trade. But it almost feels pointless to talk about it in, in those terms because the trade ain't happening. Kuzmenko's not going anywhere, not at this deadline. And that means we circle back to what is major surgery going to look like for this team? What is the major surgery that the president of Hockey Ops, Jim Rutherford, who discussed it openly, what is it going to look like? What comes next? Well, Elliot Friedman took a stab at it yesterday on Tim and Friends. Uh, Very interesting, not just the volume of names, but the particular names themselves. It begins with Bo Horvat, and there's a few other ones. But what major surgery must look like now that Andre Kuzmenko isn't going to be chopped out of the equation? Here's Fried from uh, Tim and Friends yesterday. If there was any question about whether or not they'd be able to sign him, we have the answer. Um, they signed Miller. Now they signed Kuzmenko. They're not going to be able to do Horvat, I don't think. And I think he's going to be traded. Uh, I think there's other players on that team that are going to be dealt to. I, I think Besser is going to be dealt. Um, I think at some point in time, I think Myers will be dealt, whether it's this year or after his bonus is due in the summer. Uh, I, I think they are going to try to move some other players out. We'll see what this all means. But, you know, I, I know I heard some people saying, well, they hope that if they keep Kuzmenko, that'll make Pedersen more likely to sign. I, I'm not sure I, I would say that. I, I don't know if it's quite that deep. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think they do speak to Pedersen quite a bit about what he thinks and what his feelings are. I, I just feel that they, they want to keep a nucleus. They've committed to Miller. They're going to make Pedersen their guy. I think they wanted to have another forward, Kuzmenko, around them so they could score. Um, and I think, But I think you're going to see a bunch of other guys moved, Horvat, Besser, um, Myers, and, and maybe Demko. I never thought I would say that, but I think we're getting to that possibility mm-hmm. too. I do think they're going to put a ton of players out there if they haven't already. Demko? Yeah. Wow. I noticed that. Get out of here. Yeah, okay, but if that is, say they do actually move Demko, what does that mean in net for them? Like, who's their, who becomes their guy? I mean, it can't, can't be the guys they have right now. I don't know. I think that entire quote from Fridge was more about understanding the major surgery line and acknowledging that it's still to come, mm-hmm. right? Like, I look, one of the biggest pushbacks that I saw yesterday was after a 6-1 throttling, in which the head coach called the team soft. The Canucks came out a day later and were like, we're locking in some of this core. Boys, we're going to keep some of this softness around. Now, it's not fair to Kuzmenko, but the reality is, is people were probably clamoring for change more than ever after getting stomped in Seattle. And the first sort of knee-jerk reaction was to keep someone else in. People are wondering when pieces are going to be moved, when this team is going to start to look fundamentally different, when they're going to address the issues on the blue line. And I guess... When you're talking about major surgery, you have to be major. It has to be major pieces. And if Demko is at all involved in this, and quite frankly, I I can't see it. It seems strange. I mean, unless they have some secret maneuver we're not looking at as far as goaltending goes. Well, one. They have Ian Clark. Yeah, they have Ian Clark. They've, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of National Hockey League teams that have unearthed goalies, either from Europe or guys that were undrafted, or you find one in the carousel every summer. And if you are under, if you want to be a team that isn't reliant 
on world-class goaltending to have you in the fringes of the playoffs. Maybe the the idea is to tighten up and play a responsible style of hockey so the goalie maybe can be an interchangeable piece. That's one theory I came up with. I don't know how much credence there is There's to an it. AHL guy that I've had my eyes set on, Alfred. I don't know if you know what name I'm thinking of. Archer Seelovs? No. There's a, <laughs> a guy not playing in the Canucks system right now. That would be a good Stop talking about story. Corey Schneider. You Corey always Schneider, do this. He does it every show. Vancouver. Oh, my God. For the timeline, it works. Why would you not? He's got a 927 in the AHL. Right, but they want to play in the national, the NHL. <laughs> that's that's kind of the key I'm here. I'm of the feel-good stories. If you need somebody in net, you're, you're tired of Delia, you're tired of Martin, why not Corey Schneider? You do, you do, you do it for the vibes. Yes. Basically. Okay. Solely for the vibes. I understand. Okay, uh, I do want to get to the future of Bo Horvat now that Kuzmenko is signed because uh, several sharp people on the tweeters, they did note that Kuzmenko's AAV on this two-year, $11 million deal is $5.5 million. That is also the same number, Andy, as who currently on the Canucks? $5.5 million AAV. I don't know. God, I already said it once this show. Yeah, I don't listen, though. The captain, Bo Horvath. Oh, Horvath. I was right. whispering it to him, but he didn't hear me. Yeah, so the takeaway here, that spells the end of Bo Horvath. A lot of people have astutely pointed out that if you just want to make this about priorities and who got chosen over whom, JT Miller got his money. Andre Kuzmenko got his money. Now, they're both UFAs. Brock Besser got his money, a little bit different because he's an RFA. But all got put ahead in the pecking order. All got their bag of cash before Horvat And ever Horvat because it certainly doesn't sound like he's going to be getting anything from the Vancouver Canucks other than a trade out of town. My my dad. No one sees ending any other way than Horvat going oh, at the deadline. I would be line, shocked right? if they locked up Horvat at this point. I mean, it would be insane. I wouldn't be able to. Well, yeah, all it. the focus now is on what what can you get for him, right? right? Like well, what's what's the return package going to be? And the focus now is on a bit of the minutia as to how little contact and conversation there is between the Horvat camp and the Canucks. Yesterday on Donnie and Dolly, Rick Dollywall, Vancouver scoops extraordinaire. Uh, talked about this coming from Pat Morris and the agency side of things and where it's at with regards to negotiations with the Vancouver Canucks. Short answer, there are none. Longer answer, we'll play it now. Here's Rick Dollywell yesterday on the state of negotiations with the Horvat camp and the Canucks. Bo uh, Horvat's agent, uh, Pat Morris, has spent the last two days in Vancouver. The Canucks uh, refused to meet with him, so um, it was a perfect time to meet Donnie. It's very telling, and now we know about Kuzmenko. It's very telling to me why they didn't meet with Pat. They didn't meet with him in Toronto. It's trending the same way as it did with Markstrom and Tanev. They never made a, a significant offer to Markstrom, never made an offer to Tanev, and now you can say goodbye to Bo But Horvath. this is a new group, though. Yeah. That was the betting group. But, yeah, yeah, I get it, but it's trending the same way. Morris still has not been, as of this morning, Pat Morris still has not been given permission to talk to teams about a contract extension for Bo. Uh, the Canucks also never gave JT's agent permission. Uh, so uh, no permission to talk to teams for Pat. They did not meet him in the last two days. So there you go, folks. Uh, it's uh, They picked uh, they picked uh, Kuzmenko. I said it yesterday. Uh, they pick uh, two, two times now. They pick players over Bo. It's over. Uh, that, of course, was Rick Dollywall from Donnie and Dolly on Czech TV. And I do wonder, as we circle back to the major surgery narrative, how much of this is going to be accomplished at the deadline, and how many of this is how much of this is going to be something that plays out trade deadline, off season, draft, 
free agency where they're just continually well, moving best, out players. Besser right? Horvat at the deadline, I would. Well, we'll see about Besser, but theoretically, Besser and Horvat at the deadline. Then it sounds like Meyer is probably more likely in the off season. So at, the, at, the, big, the, the biggest issue they're going to have with the biggest issue they're going to have with trying to do a Besser trade in season is the money. Is it's going to be extremely difficult? Who's going to free up space for for what Besser's contributing right now? Well, the Canucks might have to be the team, right? If they retain yeah, fifty percent or whatever. Salary, yeah. Now the Canucks could look at this and say, "Well, wait a minute. Why don't we wait till the off season where yep. we don't have to retain, as opposed to you know carrying fifty percent of the freight just to make this deal at the deadline?" Now the thing that's working in the Canucks' favor is that there's still a month of games left before the deadline, and we're talking about injuries happening at a routine pace, right? Carolina's season fundamentally got altered when Patretti came back, looked like he was going to be a contributing top six goal scoring forward, and now is done again, right? So someone that they thought that was going to be their own rental is gone, and now they've got to look at something else. Can you craft a nice enough narrative with Besser that there's going to be a bounce back or redemption? I'm not sure. I think it might be easier with Connor Garland. At a lower ticket, and I that think might... with his with his age though, there's got to be a GM out there like you know we can we can work on him. We've got the technology. Yeah, I don't the six million dollar man thing. I don't, yeah. Well, he's literally a six million dollar man, six yeah. point whatever. But I, I I will. It's it's hard in season. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's easier in the off season when you can float above the cap. It's a really hard deal to do in season. We have a texter suggesting here that uh, they're gonna let Horvat go, like Tanev and Edler. I there's no chance. If that happens, then. You might as well just get rid of this management group as well because you need to get something, some sort of package back for Horvat. Look, one thing that this management group said in the, the early stages, the early throws of being in power, they don't let UFA walk, UFAs walk, right? And they showed it with it, Tyler Mott was a small sample size of, hmm, this market isn't as robust as we thought it was going to be. We're not getting a ton in return, but... We don't let assets walk for nothing. And that was one of the things that I think they held steadfast in. Now, in the same breath, this management group has also promised other things that haven't come to fruition, but like whatever. Changes. Yes, right. One like, of them. like major surgery where everyone's sitting there and waiting. Like, My surgery keeps getting delayed, and it kind of feels like you guys might just want to rehab the injury rather than get the surgery. But I digress. Okay, we are up against it for time. Uh, Peter Galindo from Sportsnet, soccer analyst, is going to join us in studio for some footy talk, that's also a warning to all of you that didn't want it. You knew I was going to do this when Bruff didn't show up for work today. I was like, sweet. We are talking Arsenal and City. I love it. The dogs were really excited to have some footy talk as well, right? Yes. Well, yes. I know if I had a show, I'd probably do two hours of goalie talk. That's so it. I, I don't blame you. Yeah. The key to getting your own show is running it into the ground repeatedly. I and that's what I'm here to do. I the show and talk about video games. That's all I do. See? Everyone's yeah. got a little bit of selfishness yeah. in them. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Welcome to Colonial California. West Coast. Coast. <laughs> yeah. Colonial, baby. Best place in the world right here. <laughs> Colonial California. Hey, 31 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Friday. Dogs, we're almost there. Hey? We did it. We made it to Friday. Yeah. We got through today's show. A little under man. No Jason Bruff today. 
Nice to hear his commercial, though, right before we came back from break. Yeah, Jay loves the Canucks. It's a fit. That's him. Very harmonious. That was definitely him. Uh, you are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show. Jay Bruff uh, on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program. We are in the back half of it now. Uh, going to do our locks of the week in a sec. Going to do some Ask Us Anythings. Going to do some What We Learns. I'm going to be leaning on the dogs pretty heavily here. I'm going to ride the dogs. You guys ready? Are you ready for What We Learns and Ask Us Anythings? I don't think you're supposed to ride dogs. Eh. They're like a Great Dane or something. Yeah, it's got to be a big dog. Yeah. A big dog. Like Clifford. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd ride a I'd ride a big dog if it was as big as Clifford. I had to think about this for a second. Would I actually do it? No, we I wouldn't. Did, there's no way we waited that long of a yeah. pause for that. Come on. There's no, no way. I mean, if, if I saw it, I was just trying to think, would I? I mean, I don't want to hurt the dog. I don't want to be rude. What if he had an Clifford's owner? Like I was going through tall. all the scenarios in my head. But no, if I saw yeah, a dog. The first words out of your mouth were, I would ride the dog. If I saw a dog as big as Clifford and there was a ladder nearby, I would, yeah, I would, I'd give it a whirl. I mean, come on. It's, it's once in a lifetime opportunity. It'd be like riding a giraffe. I'm not going to throw you on the spot anymore. We're going to we're gonna prep ahead of time for these sorts of things. So the next time I ask you about riding dogs, you'll have to, no, it was, it was good. It was good. I'm just giving you a hard time. Okay. Um, we got business we need to attend to. We need to do the locks of the week. The lock of the week is presented by, by Playnow Sports, the official sports betting partner of the Vancouver Canucks. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with Playnow Sports. A reminder, you must be 19 plus to play. Uh, I'm riding solo here. No bruff to play off of. Nice play on words there. Oh, my God. The puns are crazy. Uh, I'm going to go right back to the National Football League. So I mentioned this uh, earlier in the show. I hit on a four-game parlay last week when I did a playnow.com locks of the week. It wasn't the most daring bet on earth. I took three favorites, and then I took the Chiefs as the lone upset to get through and beat Buffalo. Bang, it hit. Great. It was a good return. And I figured, why not do the thing that all savvy bettors do, which is chase the same bet again. That's right. We're doing another parlay. Uh, I'm going to pick the Super Bowl right here. Super chalky. Nothing really exciting. But when you tag the two teams up and you get the juice on it, it's not bad. So I'm going to take the Eagles to beat San Fran. And I'm going to take the Chiefs to beat the Bengals. I'm taking both home teams. I realize what I'm going for here. The Eagles are fairly heavy favorites on the money line. Uh, the Chiefs less so. That's almost getting to even money, but I'm going to parlay them together. Uh, look, this one's pretty straightforward for me. I think that Philly's got more weapons at the end of the day than the 49ers do. That's why I like the Eagles there. And in the AFC title game, I feel like Cincinnati no longer has that huge underdog status. I feel like a lot of people think that they can go in and win this game because they've got such dominance over the Chiefs, at least in terms of wins and losses. And again, you got to go through Arrowhead. I know they've had done it before. It's going to be tough to do it again. So give me the Eagles and the Chiefs on a parlay. If you throw down $20 on this, your Super Bowl matchup essentially, $59.22 in potential winnings. So Greg, without further ado, lock it up for me. Lock it away. Goalies don't make every save. Players don't score on every shot. Play for fun and not to make money. If you gamble... Use your game sense, and a reminder, you must be 19-plus to play. Okay, one piece of business out of the way. Let's go to the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. Oh, wait. I should ask you guys. Do you yeah, guys have any here. what we learns or ask us anythings? A dog? Do you Andy have said he wants to like ride to a share? big dog. He's not sure is what this kind gonna of be, dog. Is this going to be a big, bigger dog-related thing? 
No, no, no. Mine, mine is a quick what we learned. Uh, Go. If, if you may have heard, uh, Austin Matthews is going to be out for the next three weeks with a knee sprain. The Leafs are tanking for Bedard now, it looks like. Yes. Uh, so Matthews <laughs> out of the All-Star game, replacing him. Speaking of dogs, Alexander Barkov <laughs> is going to be replacing. <laughs> uh, I, I'm terrible. God, I love I'm you. fire myself. God, I love uh, you. Austin Matthews is out of the All-Star game, being replaced by the dog. For the cats. <laughs> Bark from the cats. Alexander Barkov going to the All-Star game. Uh, yeah, there's gonna. I, I, he's the first of many replacements soon to be. Right. That's, sure. This is how this works, is yep. it not? They yep. name the All Star team, and then half of them are like, "Nah, we don't do that." I. It got to the point when we were in the now ill-fated 2015 All Star game in Columbus. Right. I mean, here's the thing: if you're gonna did the, the NHL fine Crosby and Ovechkin or something for missing it once, is, they find so many people yeah. for not going to that one. If uh, you don't miss the game. Before I think the All Star yeah. game, you you get fined. Yeah, you can sit out a game on either bookend it either before or after, and if you don't, then they're like, now you get fined and you have to sit a game. But um, they got so far down the list of guys that would show up to Columbus in the middle of the winter to participate in this exhibition. You know who ended up playing in net for that All Star game? Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott. That's how far down the list they got. It's like the Pro Bowl when the seventh quarterback. This was shows like up. what seven years ago. Yeah, he was, he was good back then. Yeah, but he wasn't an All Star caliber goalie. True. He was an All Star caliber goalie who was going to show up and who wasn't going to show up. So now that they've done the official announcement, I'm going to be very curious to see when guys start dropping like flies. Well, they did the initial announcement. Everyone was saying, "Oh, it's in Florida," but there's barely any Panthers, and everyone was sitting there like. Barkov's gonna go. Like yeah, this is gonna, gonna happen at some point. Now that it's happened, okay. Yeah. Uh, a dog, good job. I rode the dog, and he replied in tow. Moo cow. I have Moo, a uh, moo cow. That dog. I have a what we learn. It's a special one. Okay. It is a shout out for my wife Katie. Is her birthday today? Oh, I did Happy not birthday know that to my it was lovely Katie. wife. I did not know that it was Katie's birthday. So one, I learned something. Thank you. And two, happy birthday, Katie. You guys got big plans for the weekend? Celebrate the birthday. We're going to Olive Garden. Nice. It's you know what that's a very romantic meal, uh, if you're into unlimited breadsticks as a she couple. Is. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, that's that's the main reason really why you go to Olive Garden is for the the breadsticks. Bread yes. Yeah. Oh, pop! They got the soup. Do I have to moo cow my wife's birthday now? Is that unfortunately? Is that unfortunately, works? there's no other way to do it. <laughs> Sorry, Katie. <laughs> okay, in basket. Here we go. Uh, we haven't done a lot of the sort of. Weird, esoteric, have nothing to do with anything that usually create the good jumping off conversation. Well, Jason likes to steer away from those. Yeah, but I feel that the the dogs are all here. I'm here. Uh, This is a lifestyle question and one that I'm actually familiar with because I have a member of my family who does this with regularity. Guys, dogs, do you make your bed in the morning? (laughs) Yes. So, like, uh, is it part of your morning routine every time – Brush teeth, shower, have coffee, make bed. Yeah, of course. Interesting. We get up at like four thirty, though. That's like, really interesting. I don't make okay. the bed with my wife still sleeping in it. Well, I make my portion of it. I mean, I'm you look nice. Do you make the bed? Period, laddie. Not often. Yeah, see, not often. Unless there's people coming over. <laughs> really not. Often. His bed is in his living rooms too. So. <laughs> Just fold up the old Murphy well, there's, bed. There's the chance they could go. Oh, yeah, fair enough. See the room. I don't know. Um, here's the thing. I make the bed. But only when I'm about to go sleep in it. Oh, I just want to get into it's the a, most last minute bed making. Yeah. yeah, it's not a great job. Did like, you also do your homework the night before? Uh, the no, <laughs> that would be like the the car ride to school. But uh, it's also like we're not talking about like five diamond hotel property bed making. Like the bed making is very it's just straightening out everything. 
but I guess I do it. I have someone that um, is like militant about it. Like oh, I thought you said, like you had a maid or something that made. I also it up have for a maid. You. I also have a maid. That she makes the bed. Jeeves but, yeah. does it for me. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. But no, very militant about bed making in the morning as part of the routine, and then it will throw the rest of the day off kilter. If they don't do it, I mm-hmm. think it's fascinating. Were you? Uh, I don't know why my mind went here, but this were is you, why we do these? Were you a good student in school? What, what were your? What was your average grade? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I think I made the honor roll. High school, of course. I'm talking. Uh, yeah, about. I made the honor roll like uh, twice. Really? Oh, so you were actually pretty smart. No. Oh, <laughs> your sc- school was just stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't. I was smart. School stupid. The curve uh, was quite low. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have classified myself as a good student by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I probably coasted by and ended up getting like a handful of semesters, like things clicked where I ended up with good grades. Smart student with bad habits. There wasn't any consistency across the board. And then when I got into university, I had a criminally low GPA. Yeah, I discovered that as well. I was like, I was probably like C plus average, maybe low B's most of the time. Like I've graduated with a D plus on my uh, transcript. Yeah. Like I know it's there. My first go round in, in post-secondary was rough. Like high school did nothing to, to prepare me for post-secondary. Right. It's like, wow, I actually got to like critically think and work so much harder now. And they don't tell you what to do. This, this With sucks. my report cards, there's always like a, like a, like a rift between the, the science and the math terrible side of my report card and then everything else, which was pretty I bet, solid. I bet Bruff was a good student. Yes. He, he was, a very, good, he was a very good student. Yeah. 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 The worst. <laughs> Very diligent. Uh, Chet and Burnaby with a what we learned. Hashtag WWO what we learned. I learned that last night was truly an insane parlay for Team Tank. You guys mentioned this. I didn't get enough of a gist of the, yeah, the like out-of-town scoreboard. More or less every team the Canucks wanted to win won. The flames got pummeled by the Did Blackhawks. Did you see that? Yeah. How does it, it was a great I, night for team, team Tank if you're on that. Right. So Chicago won. How did that Chicago team beat anyone 5-1? to one? I, don't, I, didn't I, wa- I, I watched them play. With Jackson Stauber in net. Rob Stauber's kid. Yes. The, I mean, the blind lineage. squirrel finds a nut once in a while analogy. But five of five of them. Like, it wasn't yeah. just a narrow victory. No, they, they put the boots to Calgary. Calgary's a mess. Is Sutter, I'm ready to say that Calgary's a mess. What's going on with Sutter? Is he is he at risk here? What's going on? I, think he, I don't think he likes the pieces that were transitioned in and out of this team. He doesn't seem especially fond of Huberto. I think Uyghur is a good defenseman. I think he's a viable top four guy. I know he turns the puck over a lot. I think their dynamic changed a lot, and he's probably not the guy to see them through that change because he had a good thing. He's a win-now guy. They were, But they were winning games. They were scoring goals, and he knew that he could put out Goudreau and Kachuk and, and Lindholm and get results. And that's nice. It's comforting for a coach to know that you've got that option. Like, we need a goal. Bang. Put what, those guys was out. Was Sutter's there. window maybe the last year? Like, because that was a win now for sure when they still had Kachuk. This and... is a very unique challenge yeah. for an old school guy that's probably figured out what he needs to do to be successful in the NHL. And it's not any fault of his. Any coach that had to undergo that dynamic would find it challenging because it's so unique. It's like, well, we just lost two-thirds of maybe the most prolific offensive line in hockey, but we replaced it with a bunch of really good players, so the expectations are still high. Like, when he keeps saying, Colorado's elite, we're not, and all the other stuff, he's deflecting, but it's also not really realistic because the expectations are high for this group, and they're high from the fan base because, again, there are some people who argued that with Uyghur and Huberto and Kadri, they actually got better as a team. 
And that's a crazy thing too. But he obviously doesn't like this mix. When he they stepped like in, mix. it he was a like very different mix of players, right? Yeah. More, a little more Sutter style, I would say, on the old Flames compared to what Huberto brings to the roster. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird fit there, yeah. Uh, you guys got anything flagged? You guys got anything you want to get into? Any Ask Us Anything? There was one, uh, an Ask Us Anything, about taking one of you guys out to a sporting event. I don't know if you saw that one. I if, did not. If, if, we could, if the dogs could take one of you oh, guys if to you a guys sporting had, event. Right. This is where you have to do your Sophie's Choice kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I might just cop out and say Bruff at a hockey game because I haven't gone to a hockey game with Bruff before. I would gone to a hockey like game with me. Well, what more, is it, Greg? I don't know. Yeah. You just don't have the same... Uh... What's the hang-up, Greg? <laughs> I can't pick between the two hosts because my job might be on the line. So I'm oh. going to plead the fifth and say Moj, because I think that was in the text, too. If you could pick oh, between... was any guest, too? Yeah, well, it, it was like, if you could pick, pick between Halford and Bruff, but Moj was also an option, obviously. Yeah. Obviously, you picked I'd, Moj. I'd take Moj, too. I didn't know Moj was an option. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I'd like to change yeah. my answer. Uh, hashtag WWL, what we learned is unsigned, so it must be from Gary. Can we fact check this? Jalen Chatfield has four goals and six points in his last nine games and is being praised for his two-way play. That is one of the finds of the season in Carolina because having seen Chatfield more than enough with the Vancouver Canucks, did not think he was an NHL NHL caliber defense. Four points in his last five games, two goals, two assists. He's um, a regular functioning member of the Carolina Hurricanes. Eight points in 47 games. He's just, yeah, I, and if you would have told me that Chatfield would be playing with regularity for one of the best teams in the NHL, I, I would not have believed it. I, and this is not an indictment of the Canucks letting him go. It's really not an indictment of anything. It's just no one saw this coming. Yes? Last two games, their games against the Islanders and the Stars, he's averaged over 20 minutes of ice time. Right. 20 minutes! Yeah, I, you know, I guess this is... It just clicks for some guys in some places. You don't explain why. You can't really make heads or tails of it, but this is like working. And he had bites at the apple here in Vancouver. Just never looked like it was going to turn out. He bumped Ethan Bear out of the lineup there. That's how good he was playing in Carolina. That's the reason that Bear was in the press box. Do you count that as a trade? Bear for Chatfield? You know what? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I just might. Uh, Dan, with an ask us anything, I brush my teeth and shave in the shower. My family thinks I'm weird. Am I? Do any of you do this? I do both. I shave and brush my teeth and shower. Really? Yeah, because you get everything, the runoff, the foam from the mouth, not like a rabid dog, but. Yeah, so you do How the. Do you cl- brush your teeth. <laughs> yeah, it's very aggressively. <laughs> I have no enamel. Um, and then anything that falls whilst shaving, just down the drain. So you do the full clean shave? Like you go right down to the. See, yeah. I just do the electric razor once over. So I, I couldn't. I don't want to bring that in the shower. You can. I've tried it. You Electric just, you, you razor. Just, you just have to be careful. It's not like taking a toaster into the 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 bath. Like you're, you'll be okay, right? I'm not submerged in. The yeah, water. you just have to be careful. That's it. But um, the most difficult thing with shaving in the shower is the, any mirror or any reflective thing. It the fog, and it's really difficult because at a certain point, shaving does become precise. You don't want to get sloppy with your razor because it will be a bloodbath. A bloodbath. Uh, you guys got been anything there. there? Yeah, been there. Yeah, yeah. We got anything here? We got anything here? A dog, Laddie, what do we got? Ask us anything. What uh, somebody learns? asked if Kuzmenko has taken over the title of best hair on the team over Brock Besser. I don't know. Best hair? I don't know. Brock Besser has the best hair yeah. on the team. Kuzmenko might have question. the. And the next team that Brock Besser goes to, he will also have the best hair on can, that. Can I say Kuzmenko has the most exciting hair on the team? What is going on there, by the way? <laughs> With his hair? Yeah. What do you mean? It's, it's amazing. 
Yeah, but what what is it? It's not a style. What's going on is what's going on. It's kind of what I've got going on. I just use let it go and that's it. That's a let it go, right? Like we're talking the theme song from Frozen. Just let it go, let it go. There's no there's no rhyme or reason or style to it. It's bedhead. No style is the style. Interesting. Very Pretending bad. it's not cool is cool. Besser's got the style. Like he's got the Prince Charming quaff going on. So it's hard to compete with that. It's it's really difficult to do better than what Besser brings to the table. Uh, Troy, the bread guy with an ask us anything. How do you decide who takes the lead in interviews? Mm. If you watch on the Sportsnet Now app, by the way, download it today. It has tons of terrific content, including the live stream of Halford and Bruff. Uh, you can see the elaborate s- series of hand gestures that we have during interviews. Um, it is often, I mean, it's usually Bruff, but uh, it's the delicate dance. You get to see all the... If it's a soccer awesome. guest, then it's if it's a soccer guest, it's me, 100%, <laughs> right? Like today with Peter Galindo. By, by the way, download the Hour One podcast. Um, you can hear as much soccer talk as you're going to get on regular terrestrial radio in this city. I can't imagine there's anyone else that's going 24 minutes of uninterrupted soccer talk. Is that a selling point? Are the salespeople really interested in that? Also, how did we swing a in-studio guest at 6.30 a.m.? <laughs> Peter, one, Peter's the best. On? Peter's the best. I think he is one of the best soccer analysts in the country. And also, he's still on Eastern hours, so that was not a big deal for him whatsoever. Um, okay, let's get back to the Ask Us Anything. We'll As a reminder, if you want to get one in to the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. The text line is 650-650. I got one from It is here. the Smalt alternative. A-Dog's got one. Is it an Ask Us Anything or it what is. we learned? Ask Andy anything. What is your favorite movie or show based off a video game or book? You can't say Game of Thrones. Well, I know it's only two episodes in. I was singing his praises last. One of the other shows, I don't know, they all run together. Uh, last of Us is incredible. Mm. It's two episodes in, so granted, you know, maybe it'll go sideways or it'll get not as good. It's only a nine-episode season. But if you have Crave or HBO or whatever, The Last of Us is without a doubt the best video game adaptation I've ever seen. I mean, it's not a high bar. Most video game adaptations. Don't even go into it thinking it's a video game. Honestly, yeah, if you haven't played it, don't even think about it as a video game. It's just a great show. It's a, it's a great twist on the zombie genre. It's, yes. It's, done, okay. it's sort of done like, I don't want to spoil it. It's sort of like 28 Days Later in, this, in the angle they take. Okay. But it's it's really based on hard science and uh, global warming, climate change, and all that stuff of what how it affects people. It's an awesome zombie show. So it's very apocalyptic. I know yeah, nothing yeah. about this. It, it's, by the it's, way. A, it's a post-apocalyptic show about what happens to the survivors after the zombie apocalypse. But again, they're not technically zombies. I don't want to spoil too much. It's a different kind of. I know. Take I know what they it. are. Yeah, I, I did it's the research. Fungal. 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 Yeah. Anyways, is it, it a toe it, fungus? That can be dangerous. Yeah, you know? it can be. I've heard. Have you heard the commercials? Yeah. Heard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that, that was the precursor. Yeah. That's the precursor. <laughs> yeah, that's what, what someone said. Yeah. But no, it's been fantastic so far. So it, okay. it might be the best show out there right if now. You right. HBO, you too, if you got HBO, if you got HBO, watch The Last of Us. Only two episodes in, so it doesn't take long to get into it. Or if you want to be like Bruff, wait for it all to come out and, and binge it. I know that's a popular way to do it as well. But yeah, I've been really enjoying Last of Us. Without a doubt, the best video game adaptation I've seen. Again, not a high bar. They tend to be terrible. Uh, but I've really liked it so far. It's um, awesome. I went and got my hair cut this week, and uh, the barber was saying, he was he started watching it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm completely out of the loop. I'm going to have to get into this. I will say that I finally took the dive into watching current rel- rel- relevant television. Yeah, I was going to say, you've been watching more TV lately. You actually know what's going on. Yeah, it's weird. I, I felt like I was getting out of the loop. Like People were having cool conversations without me, and I was getting weird and insecure. <laughs> just like how you felt left out when I wanted to bruff to the hockey game. You just, you're just feeling left out a lot. I still feel left out, Greg. <laughs> I still feel left out. Um, 
I watched The Bear. What is that? I've heard good things about The Bear. I've heard <laughs> so it's what, stressful. Is it stressful to watch? It's about what Randeep's going to fight at the Clayton Public House. <laughs> <laughs> it's a preview. <laughs> it's just him wrestling various bears every episode. Panda, Grizzly. No. Okay, so it's about uh, a chef who's at the highest of demand. He's like Michelin star working in a super fancy restaurant in New York. His brother kills himself. And he's forced to come back to Chicago to work at his brother's restaurant, which is like this very blue collar, hot beef, uh, like corner type restaurant that is very far removed from the white linen tablecloths that he's used to in his five di- five star dining establishments. Um, to say it's stressful would be an understatement. It is hyper paced. Um, it's the, the it like uncut gems the Sandler movie. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That same sort of frenetic energy, except you get relief because they're epi- it's episodic, right? So you, you watch one and then you can just decompress, but yeah, it's, it's intense. It's a really, it's that's a, one thing I want my shows to watch to do to me is stress me out. Yeah. It's not too bad. I'm not, I don't want to, it's not like you're sweating when watching it or anything, but I've talked, I know a lot of people that are in the restaurant industry and they've said that is the most accurate representation mm-hmm. and a portrayal of what the restaurant industry is actually like, especially the frenetic high-end fast-paced short order cook type stuff. So yeah. who's the main actor in that one? I, I can't remember I his name. His I, can't, I can't remember his name. I could look it up. It's been heavily memed. So I know the show you're referring to, cause I've just seen the lead actor. The lead actor in bear is in fact, gentle Ben. No <laughs> the Ben. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> it's the guy from uh shameless. That's why I recognize him. Jeremy White. Jeremy, Jeremy Allen White. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So there you go. There's your uh, pop culture foray from the Halford and Brush show on Sports. Yeah, like a week's worth out there in one little segment. Yeah. There you go. That's good. Okay. Uh, wow. We're right up against it for time. Um, okay. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show this week, uh, especially today. I know we went in a lot of different directions. Uh, let's set the listeners up for what's coming up for the rest of today because Patrick Alvin's doing media Andy's going to be on uh, Canucks Talk with Satin Dan. Am I not mistaken? You guys got the any details on this one? Help me out a little bit here. I know Alvin's going to meet with the collective media in the wake of the Andre Kuzmenko signing. Uh, again, if you missed it and you're just tuning in now, one, sorry, the show is over. Two, Kuzmenko signed a two-year, $11 million extension yesterday. And then all the subsequent media availabilities will happen today. So right after us, it's going to be, as per usual, the Jeff Merrick show. Then you've got Canucks Talk. You've got the People Show. And then you've got uh, the Canucks Talk with Satin Dan later. What do we got? I don't you have know. the exact time for Alvin, but yes, he is going to be on with Satin Dan. Satin Dan this yeah. afternoon? He will okay. be on with them, yes. And so. the Canucks have announced that there's going to be a media availability. I'm not sure if we're going to take it live or not. If we have the capabilities, we might. If not, we will have all of the audio uh, cut up and delivered to you throughout the day right here. On Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.